the Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by C.J. Hopkins, who is an award-winning playwright, novelist, and political satirist. He writes at consentfactory.org, and his articles are republished at thought-provoking and censored outlets such as Zero Hedge, Off Guardian, Uns Review, and elsewhere. We'll be talking all things totalitarianism, COVID-1984, and whatever else is on his mind. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, C.J. Hopkins. Yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Mr. Hopkins, you've been writing about the science fiction global totalitarian dystopia known as COVID-19, or as some call it COVID-1984, uh, a tyranny the entire planet has been subjected to, regardless of whether anyone thinks this pandemic status is warranted or not. Uh, I can tell you in recent months, I've been traveling Asia, Europe, uh, and the Americas, and I have seen uniform conditions and government restrictions uh, every single place that I have visited. And for me, this is absolutely, absolutely unprecedented in human history. It kind of leaves me speechless. Uh, in one of your earlier articles titled COVID-19 Global Lockdown, you write satirically, uh, I believe, quote, there is absolute, absolutely no doubt whatever uh, that COVID-19 is the deadliest global pandemic humankind has ever faced and that we have no choice but to cancel everything, confine everyone inside their home, wreck the entire global economy, force working class people even further into debt, pour trillions into the investment banks, cancel elections, censor the internet, and otherwise implement a global police state. But what if it wasn't um, a pandemic, just hypothetically, end quote. So this over-the-top response by all the governments of the entire planet, for me, has been one of the many tip-offs uh, that this whole thing is kind of a charade. Could you please help us analyze the nature of our brave new world and what the heck is going on? Um, <clears throat> I'll try. Uh, I've, I've been following this uh, thing from the beginning, and uh, it's virtually all I've been writing about uh, for the last, what was it, four months now. Um, and uh, I think my first column was just a, a kind of satirical column making fun of the mass hysteria. Um, it was actually before the one that you just quoted from. Uh, and I really... I had uh, I had no idea that it was going to you know develop into what it has developed into. Um, uh, my theories <laughs> or my opinions about it have been evolving as we go. I still, you know, I, I still believe that there's an actual virus that people actually get and that it kills you know a, a minority of people. And um, uh, you know, I don't I don't believe that the the entire thing is is fabricated at all, uh, but I, I think, I, I think we're, we're, I think you said it yourself, we're talking about two things, okay? So, you know, maybe there is a virus and we don't quite, you know, understand, you know, how deadly or non-deadly it is. I think it's been made pretty clear that it's not an apocalyptic, you know, pandemic. Um, uh, you know, I hate to get into arguing the details because they change every day and everybody goes nuts when you start doing that. But I think it's pretty obvious that, that it, whatever it is, it's not an apocalyptic pandemic that warrants any of these uh, measures that you just described. Once it, it, it started ramping up, uh, the first thing that I, that I, that I started doing was, was collecting uh, links to uh, corporate media news stories um, and I and I used the corporate media stories specifically so that I wasn't using you know things that people could say oh you know that's a conspiracy theory site or what have you um, corporate media news articles just documenting uh, the rollout of uh, just as you said it I, I think unprecedented uh, totalitarian measures 
I was, uh, uh, you know, in my latest column, I made reference to being in New York and being in the States after September 11th. And I remember, you know, the rollout of those emergency measures uh, very well, and they were very alarming. It's, it's part of what prompted me to leave the country. Um, but this dwarfs even that. Um, as you said, this is a, a, a global uh, <laughs> a rollout of, of what I've been calling pathologized totalitarianism. You know, it's not, uh, it's not uh, jackboots and soldiers and big Nazi banners and, and what have you, um, but it is totalitarianism nonetheless. If you go back and look, um, the Off Guardian, uh, the outlet, one of the outlets that, one of the, the, the band outlets uh, that publishes uh, my columns pretty regularly, they collected those, uh, uh, those links uh, that I tweeted originally, and you can go back and, and look at them. There's over a hundred of them. And if you, if, if anyone just uh, looks at them, it's, it's pretty difficult to deny you know, uh, the, the totalitarian nature of the response to whatever this is. Yeah. And as you say, like, I don't think anyone needs to use any of these, you know, let's say call whatever they call them, fringe uh, sources. If we use just all of the official mainstream sources, they become more Orwellian. You know, they say use masks, don't use masks. You know, they say, you know, like basically two plus two equals five. Uh, we've ended up uh, at that point. And I, maybe if you could just tell us what were some of the giveaways that, that made you question the, the narrative and as well as, you know, if you could paint this uh, totalitarianism that, that, that we're experiencing, you said it's not boots on the ground, but I think in some cases it, it is or it's bordering uh, on that because we've seen uh, soldiers or police locking people into their homes and, and, and this sort of thing. That's, that's exactly the stuff that's documented in all, in all those links that I was talking about. Um, you know, as well as the, the, the new surveillance measures, uh, contact tracing and what have you that uh, they were rolling out. But I documented quite a lot of the uh, police brutality and the uh, just frankly police state measures. Um, you know, in France, uh, people had to actually have permission papers to leave their homes. And uh, uh, people that, you know, walking outside of their homes in France, you know, were stopped by the police and questioned as to, you know, what are you doing outside of your house? Um, there are a few, I think, really well-known uh, stories that are in those links as well. You know, um, a, a woman, I believe it was in France, it might have been Spain, who left her house and someone called and reported her to the, you know, to the virus police. And they came and, and you know, wrestled her to the ground and, you know, beat her. And, and people were, were out on their balconies, um, you know, shouting verbal abuse at her. Uh, from the balconies, uh, the, you know, this sort of, this was really chilling when I saw that. And, and there are just countless, countless examples of this, uh, uh, really in Australia, you know, the police brutalizing um, uh, people uh, who were, uh, you know, protesting against the measures, um, the police, you know, uh, uh, tracking people who had uh, uh, gone to protests and then, and then showing up at their house later to interrogate them. Um, you know, uh, and then there's the well-known stories in New York of, you know, the woman who was wearing her mask improperly on the subway and, you know, was brutalized by, uh, by the police and, and arrested. Um, uh, there's, uh, there was uh, the famous guy in Philadelphia who was, you know, brutally pulled off of a bus and arrested for not having a mask on. So you're absolutely right. And I didn't mean to downplay that. Um, it's this is, we're absolutely talking about police state measures. If you 
there's a picture that I've tweeted a couple of times of uh, they've set up a watchtower, a social distancing watchtower on Oxford Street in in, in London, right? Where there's a you know a, a you know a, 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 a police person is manning the you know the watchtower. And you know, I could go on and on uh, with examples, but you're absolutely right. That is very much a part of it. All I meant uh, by it was is that it's 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 a pathologized totalitarianism. It's not uh, being rolled out in the name of a new political ideology. In an, in, a, in fact, it denies that it is an ideology at all, and it's and and it seems to be hiding behind and justifying itself with this, you know, apocalyptic virus, you know, and, and that's, that's how it differs from, I think, you know, uh, totalitarianism that we know throughout history. Yeah, uh, you know, I just read yesterday that Uber now will be participating in the contact uh, tracing uh, in all countries. And so I promptly deleted, uh, uninstalled that app from, from my phone. And some of the things that get me are like, now they're telling you to wear masks in your own home which I think for anyone reasonable is insane. You're sitting in your home by yourself uh, or in Melbourne where they locked down entire apartment complexes and you, for at least a week, there were police stationed on each floor and you could not leave your own apartment even to go shop and buy food, which for me is absolutely uh, crazy. But I thought I'd get your take on, you know, I think from your writings that you are leftist-ish uh, I'm more of a conservative, but as listeners of the podcast know, I, I find that well-informed people from virtually any philosophical or ideological perspective uh, may hold profound insights uh, such as you do. And I'm dismayed that so many people, uh, including my fellow, let's say, conservatives or liberty-minded folks are so uncritical of uh, what's going on and they, they're easily capitulating to our questionable governments uh, and their insane uh, measures. And uh, as you were saying in one of your articles, you write that the masses were not innocent dupes at a certain point under a certain set of conditions. They wanted fascism and that the genius of pathologized uh, totalitarianism is it appears to emanate from nowhere and everywhere simultaneously and thus technically does not exist because no one is responsible for it uh, because everyone is and and that the Corona totalitarians behave like a cult. So how would you explain, you know, these Karens, as they call it today, that we that how we all have become these kind of lemming drones and no one's putting up a fight. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's something. Uh, before I get into that, let me just uh, uh, make sure to clarify the beginning of that quote uh, about the masses being innocent dupes. That's not me. That was Gilles Deleuze and Felix Guattari from uh, Anti-Oedipus. Uh, the rest of it was me. Um, the, uh, yeah, I started early on. I, I, I normally try to satirize, uh, you know, people in positions of power and, and corporate media outlets and politicians and what have you. Um, but pretty early on in this, I also, uh, started, uh, addressing, uh, people, just regular people. You know, you referred to them as Karens. Um, I don't, I don't particularly like that phrase. Um, to me, you know, they're totalitarians. Um, you know, this, this is this is how totalitarianism totalitarianism works. Um, uh, at one point, I posted something just trying to remind people that you know every you know Americans anyway. I'm an American, and and most Americans, when you say totalitarianism, the first thing they think of is Hitler, right? Um, and the Nazis, you know, uh, were just really a handful of uh, guys, right? The way totalitarianism works is it works with the masses. 
and we're witnessing it right now. Um, I, I did address it in one of my columns, I think more than uh, in the others. Um, it, I think in one sense, it's pretty simple. It's if you just scare the living shit out of people, um, uh, you can control them. And I think that the, the, the hysteria that was pumped out at the beginning of this uh, 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 you know, pandemic uh, was sufficient to just scare people to death. And unfortunately, I think the, 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 the majority of people respond to that kind of fear by looking for who's in control or who is going to be in control and you know, who's the most powerful person in the room and let's get with him. Um, I think it's an ancient instinct that we all have, you know, coded into our genes is find, you know, find the biggest, meanest monkey because he's probably going to be the one left, you know, after the fight's over and let's all get with him. And so that's a lot of, that's a lot of what we're seeing, you know, is people just reacting to fear. And you mentioned you're, you're an American, uh, I am as well. And also after 9-11, well, it took me a few years to figure out what was going on, but I, I decided to permanently leave uh, the States. And uh, every now and then I make uh, tr trips into the belly of the beast, uh, into the empire. And, you know, I wonder sometimes, I enjoy a lot of things about America, but, you know, after a few days, I kind of realize, you know, why, why I, I left. And, I, and especially because of this kind of global fascism or totalitarianism that we're experiencing, I kind of feel safer being in, in let's say developing uh, countries because I think it'll take uh, it, a bit longer for this uh, totalitarianism to be kind of implemented. But uh, I wanted to get your take on the propaganda and censorship, which is another key aspect of what you, um, of what you call global cap, global capitalism's uh, COVID-1984, let's say project. Uh, in fact, just a few days ago, your column was censored by Twitter which was warning people who click on your off guardian link that the link is unsafe. I mean, what are they going to c catch coronavirus from reading your article? Uh, it has recently been getting absolutely crazy. Uh, they're not even pretending or joking around anymore, left and right. They're terminating social media accounts uh, at mass as if it was, you know, hunting season. Uh, what's your take on global caps shutting down of dissent and its uh, propaganda systems? Um, well, this is where this is where you're getting into uh, kind of my larger analysis of the last four years. You know, I started I started writing these satir You know, I'm an author, a playwright, um, and I started writing uh, this uh, political satire and commentary uh, back in 2016. And the reason that I started is um, I, I, it, it caught my attention. It, it 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 seemed pretty clear that something new was happening, and and what it was was kind of this, this broad and diverse populist backlash against uh, what I see as global capitalism and global capitalist ideology. <clears throat> and it, it manifested in a lot of different ways uh, with Brexit, uh, with Trump, um, and with a lot of uh, neo-nationalist movements, um, uh, what have you. Most, most of it has been, I think, neo-nationalist in character. Um, but not all of it. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I, I think you can call Bernie Sanders part of it. I think you can call Jeremy Corbyn part of it. Um, uh, basically, what I saw was just a, a, a very broad and diverse uh, uh, resistance you know, to the continued uh, spread of, of globalization, global capitalism, austerity. You know, you can throw a lot of different words at it. 
Um, and then what I've watched over the past four years is the global capitalist system reacting to that backlash and using everything in, in its power to put down this populist insurgency, right? Um, and uh, using all of, all of the power of the corporate media. I, I, I mean, we could spend you know, hours talking about um, the propaganda that's been put out by the corporate media over the last four years and Russiagate and what was done to Corbyn, you know, just the Hitlerization of Corbyn. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's all there in my essays and it's huge. Um, anyway, I, I kind of see this year, this year to me kind of feels like the culmination of that effort. They destroyed Corbyn. They did away with Sanders, who was kind of a sheepdog anyway. It, again, the point is not these people. You know, it's, you know, Trump is not a real threat to, you know, uh, global, global capitalism. Corbyn wasn't even a threat to global capitalism. It's not about the individuals. It's really about this po populist sentiment. People just refusing to march forward into the, into the global capitalist future. And this is what the system has been trying to quash and put down. And it feels like this year is, is kind of the culmination of that effort. Um, uh, it, it, it feels like the whole year it, it is going to be chaos and disorder and fear and panic. And what maybe the system is hoping for is if they can get rid of Trump and they can sort of declare, okay, victory over this whole populist mess is over now. And we can, you know, go back to the, to, to the halcyon days of, you know, Obama and, and everyone can live happily ever after with their phones that are being manufactured by slaves in Chinese sweatshops. Yeah, let, let me... I don't know if I answered your question. No, yeah, and I just wanted to add, uh... To what you said from your brave new normal uh, article I, I had a quote here where i i think you really hit the nail on the head on your description of it uh the system no longer has external enemies and thus no ideological uh, adversaries the enemies of a global hegemonic system by definition can only be internal every war becomes an insurgency a rebellion breaking out within uh, the system and there is no longer any outside in other words as you call it the global hegemonic system global uh, cap becomes a body and the only body unopposed from without, but attacked from within by a variety of opponents, as you listed, terrorists, extremists, populists, whoever, and these internal opponents attack the global hegemonic body, much like a disease, like a cancer, an infection, uh, or a virus. And the global hegemonic body reacts like uh, any other body would. I might disagree with you on, on, on the who. I would agree that an element of that global hegemonic system is some form of capitalism. I might say maybe it's teaming up with global Marx now or some kind of global uh, um, government or, or oligarchy, but whatever, it is, whatever the case is, it's, it's attacking all of us. And uh, I kind of had a, a further question, kind of getting your thoughts on the future, because you know, I, I'm not very optimistic or hopeful uh, right now. And you know, don't get me wrong, I'm putting up my dukes for as long as I can, but I'm also preparing for the worst. Uh, and it seems you're not terribly optimistic because you wrote in your latest piece, Global Uber Alice, we are experiencing uh, the culmination of the effort to put down this 
insurgency as you're describing and ensure that it never happens uh, again. That global cap, I mean, it's pretty funny how you put it, that global cap is teaching us a lesson. The lesson is, this is what you get when you mess around with global cap. Voting for Trump, Brexit, uh, and all the rest of that populist nonsense. You're going to get global pandemic, civil race wars, riots, lockdowns, economic depression, societal collapse, chaos, fear. You know, go ahead, screw around with us some more. We'll make you wear ridiculous face masks forever. And, and you go on in your article. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny. So what are your thoughts on, you know, you, you said this year is the culmination, but, you know, 2021, where we're going, it seems like the economy's crashing. They, they, they've said it hasn't been like this since 1870, uh, 100, since 150 years ago, this bad, uh, the economic system. What are your thoughts going forward? Yeah, I don't, uh, uh, I, I don't have clear enough thoughts on what the shape of society is going to be uh, going forward. Um, I think there are big changes uh, coming. And I think that uh, basically the, the world is going to get increasingly neo-feudal. Um, and and part of what part of what is happening right now, I mean, you know, you were just quoting from the latest column, and um, you know, just to simplify it, uh, uh, this is, you know, this is what happens in a prison. You know, when you, uh, you know, if you're if you live in a prison, most of the time, you know, the prisoners vastly outnumber the guards, and you know, the prison operates relatively peacefully, you know, and then sometimes the prisoners start rebelling. And when the prisoners rebel, that's when the warden and the administration puts everybody in lockdown and reminds them all, hey, you're in prison, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're not going anywhere and we control you. And that's kind of what this feels like, whether it succeeds or not, I don't know, well, you know whether it succeeds now, whether it succeeds later. Um, I want to back up a little bit um, and, uh, uh, and maybe mess with your mind a little bit, as I do when I talk to uh, more conservative people about global capitalism. Um, uh, it, it's it, I, when I'm talking about global capitalism, it's I think it's important to understand um, that I'm not really talking about the economic system. You know, I'm not I'm not talking about uh, you know uh, price controls and you know free market trade and private property and you know I am talking about all that stuff. But what I'm really talking about is I'm talking about global capitalism as an ideology, right? So what I, what I think we're dealing with is an economic system which has become our ideology, right? And it's one thing to look at an economic system and to see how the values work in that system. Um, and you know, I'm, uh, I'm a weird leftist because I don't think capitalism is inherently evil. I think it, it, capitalism is what freed us from despotism. Right, capitalism is what got us out from under the thumb of kings and priests and you know and, and despots and tyrants. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I think it has become our ideology. This this engine, this tool, this this machine. Yeah, uh, we've forgotten that we're the ones running the machine, and and we've let it become a, a world ideology. Um, it doesn't really have any values. Um, uh, what, what in, in one sense, you can look at capitalism, look at what it does in societies, and what it does is it dissolves or, 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 or decodes all of the old despotic values from a despotic society. So, no, you don't get to be king just because you were born from the last king and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And no, the priest doesn't get to tell everybody who is God and who they have to worship and all that. 
you know, great, and frees us from, and capitalism goes through the society and it decodes all of those values and it reduces them all to a single value, which is exchange value, right? And thus we're left, if you let capitalism run wild, if you treat capitalism as an ideology, yeah, and not just an economic system, you end up living in a society with no values. And what, what a lot of this populist backlash that we're seeing is, is people resisting and screaming and saying, hey, I don't wanna live in a society without any values. Right. where anything means anything and everything goes is no, I want to hold on to some of my cultural values, my religious values, yeah, and so on. So it's, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. I don't know, I don't see any way to stop the machine. Um, you know, as I've been saying for a long time over and over, and as you just encapsulated, you know, when the Soviet Union fell, uh, we it became a global capitalist world. You know, there, there aren't any more outside ideological enemies. You know, um, uh, people, every once in a while, people get excited about Russia and they get excited about China. And it's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, we're not, you know nobody's going to attack China. China is our manufacturing base. You know, and you know Russia is playing good ball with GloboCap. You know, and there there are still nation states that are competing with each other. Of course, just like corporations compete with each other, um, but no one is, nobody is challenging global capitalist ideology. It is the global ideology, and what so what we're experiencing is that rebellion from people. You know, as as more and more of our values are stripped away. Um, and I don't think it really matters whether it's left or right. You know, on the conservative side, there are a lot of religious people and people who just have traditional values and they want to hold on to those. You know, on the left side, there are socialists who have social values and cultural values. They want, you know, they, they, they want to take care of the society and they want to hold on to those. And capitalism just doesn't have any global cap. Global capitalism doesn't have any room for that. Things need to be privatized and commodified and you know, and exploited. <laughs> you know, um, I veered off from your question, but I wanted to get back to that um, because I think that's what we're looking for. The reason that I'm uh, I wouldn't I don't know if I call it pessimistic. I'm really an observer of of what's going on um, in the long term. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm optimistic, but in the, in the long term, you know, I feel like it's life and it's evolving and we're going to end up wherever we end up and it'll be interesting. Um, in the shorter term, I don't see anything that is going to stop the onward march of, of global capitalist ideology. Um, uh, I think there are going to be continued rebellions and resistance to it, um, but I don't see anything that can stop it. Uh, a lot of what you said reminds me of my conversations with uh, cultural historian uh, Morris Berman, who I've spoken with uh, a number of times, and how uh, one of the fallout is we've lost our, our values, uh, just as just as you said. And I, I might add, from my perspective, that this global capitalism, as you described it, is is like a vehicle. It's this powerful vehicle, and whoever takes charge of it can do uh, what they want with it. And and we're seeing that happen uh, now. Are there any other, is there any other issue that, you know, I haven't brought up or asked that, that you think is important to look at? Well, I think, I, I think that issue, you know, the issue that we're just talking about right now uh, really is the key issue. Um, you know, I, 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 I 
tried to stress this. I've got another book coming out um, in September, just a, a collection of my essays, the Consent Factory essays. And I focused on this a lot in the introduction, in the introductory essay that I wrote uh, to it. I don't see I don't see global capitalism as as a machine that people get a that get a hold of. You know, they get control of. Um, it's not really to me. It's not really a question of who gets control or who gets a hold of the machine. Um, I think the machine is running us. Um, uh, it's you know, people get very excited about uh, whoever George Soros, Bill Gates. You know. Uh, pick your bad guy, Donald Trump, you know, Barack Obama. People get very, very excited about these individuals as if individuals are shaping history. And they're not, you know, the, the individuals in this global capitalist system that we live in, individuals are interchangeable. You know, it's, it's you know, Biden, Obama, it doesn't matter. You know, Trump is an aberration and they need to make an example of him. Um, uh, I don't, again, I don't, it's not because Donald Trump has any real power or represents any real threat, but he's an unauthorized president. Nobody gave him permission to become president and they need to make an example of him so that this thing doesn't happen again, right? But the, the rest of them, Clinton, Obama, you know, Biden, the Bushes, you know, th these, these people are, are interchangeable. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, the same way to take it back to the, the, the coronavirus thing, um, I was just talking with somebody the other day and they were saying, well, who, who, you know, who coordinated all of this? You know, who told everybody to, you know, overreact and institute all of these police state measures and, you know, who's behind all of this? And, you know, and my opinion is this, there's nobody behind all of this. You know, it's, it is the, you just read the quote from one of my pieces. This, it's a systemic reaction. The, the, the system is reacting to this internal, you know, insurgency. Nobody, nobody, nobody is conspiring. Nobody's telling anybody to do any of this stuff. They don't have to. Everybody knows what to do. You know, I mean, every, everyone in a position of power, yeah, in, in, in global capitalist power, I think understood from the beginning, yeah, that this year, 2020, was going to be a complete chaotic mess and that it has to be. Yeah, after four years, you know, after four years of telling the world that, you know, the Nazis are back and fascism is on the rise again and the Russians are trying to destroy democracy and whipping up all this mass hysteria, they kind of had to, you know, to, to let it all culminate in a year of, you know, total chaos, right? Nobody, nobody's running it. The system is running us. You know, everyone knows automatically what to do. The, 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 the journalists at The Guardian, they don't need to get a memo from anybody, you know, telling them to print propaganda. They know what to print. Yeah, they, they're reacting to events. Um, and the same goes for, for everybody else in the system. Yeah. And I, think, I, I think to answer your question, I, 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 to me, the thing that I, that I have been most focused on is trying to repeat, not too often, <laughs> but I do repeat it a lot, trying to repeat the fact that we're no longer living in a world of nations conquering other nations of, of, of you know, it, nobody's going to conquer every, anybody, you know, it's, we're, we're living in a, in a global capitalist world where one ideology rules the entire planet. And the only conflict that exists is, is this internal conflict of people 
resisting and rebelling where the system is taking us. All right. I, I think we're in the early stages of it. It's been 30 years. Yeah. You know? Um, and I don't think we're able to really get our minds around what that means yet and to really start to understand how power works and understand current events and what's happening in that context. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, the journalists, you know, Guardian, for example, and I recently had an AP journalist contact me uh, wanting to ask me about my early interview I did with Francis Boyle on the coronavirus uh, uh, being a biological weapon that was deleted from the internet that went viral. Um, and then I looked at the journalists' previous uh, articles that they've been writing, and it was all these basically hit pieces on anyone, you know, questioning the narrative, whether it was, you know, all this conspiracy nonsense. And I just kind of decided I'm not going to respond to the journalists because they're just going to paint a, uh, an ugly picture of me. I don't, I don't even know if they're listening right now, but I never responded because I'm not going to be, you know, fodder, fodder for them. Um, I think why it's, help, uh -huh. why, why help them out? <laughs> right. um, if you have any final thought for us uh, and otherwise your website is consentfactory.org. Uh, you're also at cjhopkins.com. You're on Twitter uh, for now. Uh, your articles are republished, uh, as I mentioned, on many other outlets. And if you could let us know if there, you said there's a book coming out in September. And if you want to mention any other website or project of yours that we should be aware of. I think you pretty much covered it all. Yeah. All right. Uh, I recommend listeners sign up to uh, your newsletter, CJ Hopkins newsletter. Uh, check out the sites. Uh, I believe people can also donate and they should to your Patreon and PayPal to keep uh, uh, your insights coming. And please don't forget also to donate to Geopolitics and Empire. It seems possibly that Global Cap may, ha may have uh, succeeded in canceling uh, me and my livelihood. I don't know yet, uh, which means I'll hopefully be churning out multiple podcasts a week. Uh, all the more reason to donate. And Mr. Hopkins, thank you again and keep up the great uh, work. And thanks for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast and interview. I would like to remind you that our website is geopoliticsandempire.com and you can sign up for our mailing list that goes out each weekend with the latest podcast and a long collection of important news headlines. It's good to sign up for the newsletter in case we experience censorship and deplatforming. You can help the Geopolitics and Empire podcast by subscribing to and interacting with all of our channels such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, and Steemit. You can also help us by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, and so on. Finally, if you value our work and our mission and would like to see us continue interviewing experts from across the political spectrum, please consider leaving a one-time donation via PayPal or Bitcoin or becoming a regular monthly supporter on our Patreon. All the links can be found on geopoliticsandempire.com. Thanks for listening.